quote, depression and anxiety are an epidemic within Bioware, end quote. I think that's what's being steamrolled. Replace Bioware with the game industry. Let's. I don't want Bioware to turn into a telltale situation. Hey. Hey. Oh no, there's not a third person here. George isn't here. Oh no. Hi, George's ghost. Well, he isn't here with us for this part of the conversation, but we will work him in later. Yes. So it has been a while since we've done this. It has. And I'm not really crazy about that, but we're here now. Yeah. You know, sometimes we got to take breaks. Yeah. A little recoup. Mm -hmm. We've been working on the website. And by that, we, I mean you. Yes. Mostly. (laughs) I've had help. And it's Uh, looking really good. Yeah. We're sort of working on the behind the scenes things so we can make this a more polished thing, which we're excited about. Yeah. So for anybody who's an existing fan, mom, dad, (laughs) my brother, sometimes, you guys have a website now that you can be pointed to. It's not live yet. I shouldn't even say that. You know what? By the time this is out, yeah, it's probably going to be live. That's true. Well, yeah, so you should definitely go check it out. If you've been listening, there's still going to be more content on there for you to consume to go with it. So check it out because it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And Jesse did a bunch of artwork and it's really cool. So look at it. Oh. <laughs> but, yeah. Okay, so. Anthem. Has anyone played it? Yes. If George was here, what would he say? He would also say yes. I have not. So this is all from my perspective, just someone who hasn't played it. But I'm glad we have someone here who has. We'll be, I'm going to be more emotional and like, oh, it's like this, it's like this. And you can be like, okay, but let's take a step back. Mm-hmm. I think we need that. Let's so it's a good balance. Okay. Yeah. So Anthem, how would you describe the gameplay? What type of game is it? Anthem is a third person action game set in a sci-fi universe in an alternate future where you shooty shooty bang bang and you fly around with friends with friends Online. yes with well yes with friends and strangers okay and lots of ai and tons of ai and then there's part two mm-hmm. which is walkie walkie slow slow and then you go back to outside where you shooty shooty bang bang okay and that's basically the loop So that sounds like a few other games that are on the market right now. Yes. It is creepily similar to Destiny 2. Which came out before this. Okay. So that would, would you say Destiny is probably like the primary competitor in this realm? Uh, I think that was probably the intention Mm -hmm. on the part of the certain people who were involved with the development of it but i wouldn't say that it's actually a competitor in that space not not at that level they're battling for the same gamer absolutely okay yeah uh what do you say like warframe is also in there yeah warframe is definitely in there fortnite is in there really yeah apex is in there so it's uh maybe i'm making the basket too big Mm -hmm. but i'm kind of catching all the eggs that fall under the purview of the live service looter shooter genre okay maybe lose a looter shooter on some of those but it's the game that gets made that is always subject to change and that always requires players to log into it it's a multiplayer experience and that developers have direct access to and that they update frequently with patches and updates and subject to change so much that over this course of the lifespan of the entire game, it can end up significantly different when it's all said and done. My impression though, like that would separate it more from Warframe or Fortnite is that it's it's trying to be more story-oriented like Destiny, that's in my mind what separates that if you want a little bit more lore to your world and all that, would would you say that's correct? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, they definitely, yeah, there, oh, there's a huge effort in, in terms of lore. The way it's doled out is a little bit different, but they're both fairly cryptic in their luring. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to kind of dig for it. Okay. But yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely compared to like Apex, Fortnite, it's like, it's all gameplay for the most part. Okay. I mean, there's, you know, some aesthetic things, but there's no world building. <laughs> there's definitely, the effort for world building is absolutely there with Anthem, for sure. Okay, okay. cool. I think that's a good little preface before we dive into what we really want to talk about in regards to Anthem is basically it was sort of a letdown. I think generally audiences are like meh about it, especially when put next to Destiny 2. Yeah. 
yeah, scores are utterly average for it. It's not a horrible game, but it's like, why would why would you play this when you have Destiny? I think there's potential there, but why did a game with this much hype get released and that this was the result? Any of you that follow Kotaku and their great gaming journalism, they recently released... That wasn't this. a slight, by the way. What? No, no, no. I, I love when they <laughs> dig deep and they get uh, industry professionals interviewed and they really dig into how games are made. It's always an interesting experience to see the curtain pulled back. So they recently released an article that you can go find that's basically what what went wrong with Anthem. It's very thorough. It's very thorough. It's a long read, but it's worth it. Very interesting read. And then, which we will talk about later, there was an immediate response from Bioware. It was, it was that significant. The topic itself isn't interesting. It caught the eye of the developer. So let's dig into it. So setting the stage for this, I think it's important to, if you are a gamer of any kind, you're going to have some familiarity with Bioware. But just to set the stage... They have a reputation for doing deep RPG games with great writing and story. Yes. That's kind of like right in the wheelhouse of everyone in this room, mm -hmm. inc including George's Ghost. We mm -hmm. all are suckers for that. So we're already a little bit of fanboy fangirling over a lot of stuff that they made I've been really into, which is not to say that the current Bioware is the same as the old Bioware because obviously different people work there. So yes. it's not a misattribution in that way. It's uh, currently, I don't know if it's currently anymore, but when this was being developed, it was three different studios, one in Austin, Texas, one up in Canada. But yeah, so multiple studios working on different things. I think Austin was more focused on the Old Republic, Star Wars, the Old Republic game. So they were sort of more familiar with the online um, actively being updated and patched game. And the uh, Canadian location was more focused on I think they did the Mass Effects and Dragon Ages, so that one-time ship experience. Which is kind of weird because it parcels out the two things that are needed to converge for Anthem, mm -hmm. at least on paper. Mm -hmm. So maybe that'll be a structural thing that we get into as part of the issue. Yeah. With, But yeah, so yeah, like you are saying, the hype was very real. I was hyped for it, especially when they did that initial announcement trailer. It was like the purely narratives, very cinematic, and it wasn't like, it was actually fairly revealing for a teaser. But unfortunately, that was not a teaser for the actual game that we got. People know going into like these E3 trailers, a lot of times it's a lot of fake of what we're going to do. We just haven't built it yet. But a lot of times they do fall through on most of it, but it's not the case with Anthem. What happened, basically? Why a, a company filled with such promise, some solid games under their belt, and when, when was it, early 2010s, and we start getting announcements for Mass Effect Andromeda, mm -hmm. and this game, Anthem, and I don't know if any of you are familiar with Andromeda's release, went very poorly. Um, <laughs> so this also going poorly, just right on the heels of that. I think it's, it definitely warranted a look of someone questioning, hey, what's what's going on here? And I think this stacked with a bunch of other companies that also have lackluster releases or I'm, I'm looking a lot at like online games too, specifically of being released since like half a game and then slowly being patched throughout the years. And I think we talked a little bit about this for Destiny, but it sort of started similarly and it's, it has gotten better over the years. They've they've polished it up, but mm -hmm. what what is is gaming broken? Is the game industry broken, Robert? <laughs> oh man. I you know what? It's weird and this is not something that we planned on talking about, so forgive me. I don't think it's broken at certain levels of production. Mm -hmm. As the tools get more accessible for more indie developers, and I think it's like Robert talking about indie stuff, but the people who really give a shit and they want to make games because they have the demon inside them that makes them do it because they love it that much and they're going to die to make this freaking game happen. And they make the Cupheads and the et cetera, et cetera's. I feel like that's the space that I'm being more attracted to than like this AAA massive 
developer thing, but it's weird because if you look at the trajectory of Bioware in terms of their resources, a lot of the stuff that they were doing that's like considered like golden age Bioware stuff is when they were very small. Yeah. So, you know, the Baldur's Gate stuff, I don't even know that it really needs to be a part of the conversation because it's basically like a D&D clunky. It's basically like by today's standards, pretty much garbage. But at the time, freaking sick. I wouldn't know because I'm only 27 years old. But the Dragon Age games are incredible. Coder, Mass Effect, we already talked about this stuff. But at the time of release, they weren't operating at the scale. Like they not even like, you know, divorce it from the being owned by EA and having those resources and all that. These were single studio games. But I don't know. What do you think about that? I think and we're going to we're going to dive into this um, in my head and the way I structure this conversation, this case study. A lot of this information coming from this Kotaku article and just our own experiences in video production and just generally how the development process works for creative pieces. And then seeing this in other studios that's happening, similar stories are coming out, which we've talked about on this podcast before. But I think there's a there's two main problems and they're they're both very intrinsically tied with each other and you can't just solve one or the other. There is when you get to a game this massive with with this much money behind it, the the big publishers expect results. They expect a solid money making product and on a on a tight deadline. So that already is going to cause a lot of stress and development. And then if your company itself is not running as smooth as it can be under all of those pressures, then things are going to start falling apart pretty quickly with games this large, with teams this large, multiple locations. Now that you're including, now it's not just like a single shipped product. You're doing, you're building something that's going to be played by millions on servers online together. It has to, it's, it's massive undertakings from where games used to be to where they are now. So if you don't have strong, decisive leadership and like a tight ship, then it's just going to be that much harder. So I think we're going to be splitting our discussion up between those two points. But before we get to that, maybe we can talk about, hey, what did, what did we like? What do we like with Anthem? And maybe what don't we like? And then we'll hear those points brought up when talking about the development. I'll launch into the what I like, what I don't like. I'll be interested to hear what is shared opinion, you know, and all the data that you've accumulated from secondhand. There's actually a lot to like about Anthem. And I want to definitely make the disclaimer that it's not a crappy game. Mm -hmm. In the same way that Andromeda kind of got this reductionist, it's like, oh, the facial animations are extremely buggy and awful and then that's like the one thing that gets highlighted and then repeated forever what's the there was a quote in this article i just i laughed out loud at it was higher up saying we don't we this can't be memeable make it polished it can't be memeable because they're referencing the bad facial rigs in andromeda when that was released and that's just so funny to me yeah (laughs) it's a good rule of thumb yeah don't be memeable yeah don't be memeable that leads me to the first thing that I really like about Anthem and that I was very taken aback by. And you can go look, watch for yourself. It's all over the internet how they went to great lengths to make the specifically the facial animations for the first person interacting with NPCs not memeable at all. It's extremely impressive. Yeah. So they did the motion capture with legit actors. Mm-hmm. Their delivery is awesome. Writing, not so great. Mm-hmm. Wasn't into the content, but in terms of production, very, very engaging in that way. Okay. So that was a huge plus. Certain aspects of the gameplay are very fun. Like flying around in the exosuits is awesome. <laughs> it's really fun. It's, uh, I don't know, they have this great cooldown system where you can fly for a little bit and you have to kind of like be looking out for where there are waterfalls and little bodies of water on the ground because you can use that to do like a quick cool down and then you can jump right back into the flying and all this stuff. So it's almost like a mini game with the flying system and it just, the way it feels, feels like Spider-Man. No, not really. (laughs) 
No, it no feels, I hope it, it feels, feels like Iron Man. It does feel like Iron okay. Man. Actually, now that you're saying that, yeah. that is the perfect way to say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they even have this thing where you can be flying and engaged in combat. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of doing like the Iron Man floaty thing while you're shooting stuff. Yeah. Um, and I thought that it worked so well. It was, I never got bored of that. Mm-hmm. George and I played the demo and the demo went live as technically it was a beta. Mm-hmm. It was fairly cohesive in terms of getting you immersed in the entire gameplay experience. Mm-hmm. So you got to do the shooty, shooty, bang, bang in the outer world and fly around and do substantial combat as much as you can handle. There was enough there. You got to do some of the puzzling, which is not bad, but I think there's this kind of in the way that the system is set up, it's fighting itself a bit because I feel like the puzzles would be cool if it was just you doing the puzzles. Mm-hmm. You'd have to figure it out or whatever. Because you're playing with a bunch of strangers, he's already level 70. <laughs> and I just started playing this game and he already did the puzzle and he's like, hurry up. And I'm like, oh, I didn't, oh, I guess yeah. that's over. I just, I didn't know what we were doing. You don't get the enjoyment from it. Yeah. So I don't know. There were, there are elements of it structurally that like they would work so well, but then they just kind of fall short. And, you know, maybe this plays into the whole thing you're saying with the having the big, company that can't decide where it wants to steer the giant ship and then the ship is like uh, uh, really awkward yeah. and then we're crashing into everything <laughs> not to say that it's a shipwreck because it's not yeah, um, it's scuffed up a bit right? yeah as i mean that happens with any game but this is really important there are no loot boxes mm. so you know this like i think you have to zoom out a little bit too it's like how are they doing relative to everything that we've seen recently mm-hmm. and in a lot of the broad strokes of things that have been like egregious just kicks in the face to consumers or gamers they didn't really do any of that stuff and it's really weird because like diablo did it yeah. it gets compared to diablo a lot that's kind of crappy and destiny did it it makes kind of crappy me wonder because dice motive who did the latest battlefront 2 and had the massive uproar about loot and the whole like balancing system when it comes to leveling and items and all that if that you know that got released before anthem if ea was like oh we can't have that happen with this one so if that mandate wasn't as strong like I, i wonder if that never happened if if there would be a mandate, yeah, like, oh, yeah, add loot boxes to this one. Mm. Or if it'll come eventually when things have died down. Um, that's always, I always want to know. I want to know what decisions were made and omitting that, if they were good or not. <laughs> well, I mean, that's definitely believable. Mm-hmm. I mean, that they would make that intentional because in the same way, they're like, don't make the facial animations meme Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, we, we can't, can't do that again. At least they're learning from their horrible, horrible mistakes. <laughs> yeah yeah so there's a lot to like unfortunately a lot of the game is felt kind of generic to me oh wait you missed like my favorite thing oh what is about it? it that you wrote down here that i was like yes even though i don't play this game what no battle royale you can no battle royale loosely to Fortnite earlier and i'm like i don't want to get into that because it has no story and <laughs> no lore or anything like that honestly like that makes this more appealing, potentially more appealing for me to even try out by not having it immediately be Battle Royale. So, I mean, that's our subjective opinion, but... It is, and it is shared amongst all of us, including George's Ghost. I just think it saturated the market a bit. Let's, let's you know, diversify people. Okay, moving on. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you made that point because mm-hmm. I that's huge. Yeah, I mean, it, that was one of the things that I put on here is that the narrative is boring. Well, it's like it, it wanted to be like you can see you can see even from like the little E3 demos that I saw in the trailers. It's like it has such potential for an interesting narrative. That's the whole thing, right? It's like anything that is disappointing about this game or really any game is based on some kind of expectation you have going into it. That they set. That they set. They said it. We didn't yeah. set it. Yeah. So. Which it, I think it just, you know it exponentially multiplies the letdown because it is like this whole experience with this game for me is just like one giant tear. I am sad more than anything else Mm -hmm. and I'm not upset. I'm not angry. I do feel a little bit kind of shafted in a way, but you know what? I bet that a lot of people who worked on this game 
probably feel similarly mm-hmm. honestly they probably got to the end of the project they were like yeah well i mean like there's a deadline and if we didn't have all of these development problems it could have been something greater yeah you know putting all the years of work into it yeah yeah it's just it's it's such a good pedigree it's like you were hoping for that that next level of online gaming that maybe does include a better story and better world um, and you thought, hey, maybe Bioware had a good shot at it. Mm-hmm. So it's disappointing more than anything. Do you have anything else? Um, yeah, but you know, I I don't really want to double down on a lot of other things that people have already pointed out. I mean, I just you don't, don't have know. to go into them, but a lot of these things that you already mentioned. Yeah. Um, you want me to like, list them real quick? Real quick. Again, we don't really want to like shovel dirt on it on its coffin. It's like it's more these are the results that we're going to be talking about the development, at least what this article is talking about. And these are the results of it. And I think it's good to know, you know, Hey, this is, this, this is what went wrong. Okay, cool. So I'll go through them really quickly. What's mm-hmm. wrong with Anthem? The loot is boring. If you're gonna make a looter shooter, the loot has to be engaging. If it's not aesthetically awesome, it needs to have significant gameplay change when you do upgrades. And I, one feeling it or else it's just a grind like why are you even playing yeah that's one of the main complaints is that it's very grindy Mm -hmm. and that's not just through the loot system but also like the actual combat Mm -hmm. that there's this lack of feedback with the enemies it's like when you're interacting with them and you're damaging them it doesn't really feel like they're being damaged because they're not really reacting to the damage that you're inflicting Mm -hmm. and they're bullet spongy so it's like you're shooting a brick (laughs) that's bullet spongy I love that term. Yeah, it's just kind of, I don't know. It's just not engaging. It's like... It's like if you have to... You work really hard for this boring loot that doesn't even affect the enemies that much. Yay. Yeah, so it's like the means and the end are both mm-hmm. boring. It's like, okay, why am I going to go back yeah. out in my exosuit except to fly? I mean, I'll fly around, but mm-hmm. I don't really want to shoot anything. There's this huge problem with the hub world where you're not in this javelin, which is the exosuit. You're walking around and talking to people in this metropolitan square. So it has kind of like this archaic stone paths and candles and all this stuff. And then there's like the tech of the javelins mixed in. So it's this really cool mismatch. Yeah. 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 And it's like art directions. Cool. Very cool. Oh, yeah. I love that part of it. But unfortunately, it's like when you're going to talk to someone, it's like, oh, no, they're going to talk forever. It's like I get to watch their awesome animation, but they're not going to talk about anything I care about. And then actually physically walking your character in first person from place to place, that's the only thing that you can do is look around and walk in a particular direction. And unfortunately, the character movement is very slow, like Mm -hmm. to the point of where it was like noticeably like like put a rubber band on the joystick and go get a snack. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then on top of that, the loading screens are compared to games competing in the same space are significantly long. Okay. So that's it's just an unfortunate pacing thing. So it's like, you know, when you're out doing the combat, as engaging as that is, it's like when you're getting pulled back into the narrative and you're going back to the hub world, it's like, oh, crap. I'm going to have to sit through a loading screen to mm-hmm. get into the hub world. Then I have to walk very slowly to the person that I'm going to talk to. And then they're going to talk about something I don't really care about that much. Yeah. And then I'm going to slowly walk back to the doors so I can go back into the world. And then I'm going to wait for another loading screen. That's going to take a while. Why well, so, even go back to the home world or the home base? Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea of the pacing conceptually mm-hmm. where it's like you're going out and doing combat and then you're coming back where it's like more peaceful and you can just basically like you're watching a film. Yeah. And then you can go be more engaged and but back and forth. But I think it's like maybe with the execution, it wasn't pulled off exactly in the way that the vision was intended to be. Okay. I think unless you have more points. Oh, yeah. I'm done being negative. That line is a perfect segue into probably what this article uh, says is the main problem is the vision. Okay. Um, Tell us about it. You just said, you know, that's probably not what the vision was, but I don't think according to this article and their anonymous sources that they didn't have much vision at all throughout the whole development process. And um, these are anonymous sources from people on the inside. Yeah. yeah. They got, um, I forget if they said a certain number 
10 to 12 was in my head for some reason, but you know, a, a decent chunk of people, developers. So timeline wise of development, they say that there were, there was teams working on Mass Effect Andromeda and there was also some light pre-production works and concepting for this game. Initially they had dubbed Beyond. Um, oh, initially it was dubbed Dylan. Oh, I think that was just like an that? internal name. That, that was wasn't a correct you. It's just, that's yeah, funny yeah. to me. Well, <laughs> but it's, it is kind of important in a way because it's like it had such high hopes in the beginning. Mm -hmm. It was wanted to basically like rewrite the book for the genre. Yeah. And it seems like, hey, that's a great timeline, right? You can have your developers working on the meat of production for Mass Effect Andromeda a follow-up to a solid mass effect series they can be working and pushing out a good product there mm -hmm. and then pre-production can be happening maybe from less you know of the like down sitting at our computers actually building it more of let's establish a like what's the what's the gameplay going to be like what what type of gamers we want to pull in what's the world going to be what's the story we're setting this in like how are we going to differentiate it from others that are out there right now and how are we going to make this the Dylan of this genre? And they said that because they wanted it to be the Bob Dylan of this game genre. Which, that's awesome. I, if I'm being brought in on a video that is going to be made and everyone wants it to be the Dylan of videos, like, I want to be working on something that everyone's super excited for. Great start. But then... Here we go. <laughs> so it sounds like they were stuck in pre-production for quite a while, years upon years. And they would have loose ideas and maybe it could be this. Maybe I think the, the term like maybe you can be Iron Man in a suit going around this planet. And even the decision you said you loved flying before, that was quoted as being something that was on and off for It sounded like years of like, do we actually have them fly around? Do we not? And every time you switch back and forth, it completely reworks how the world has to be built. Decisions like this that need to be made up front and before things even start being built were just, they were floundering on it for years. That's what it sounds like. They put out in 2014, that four years ago, five years ago, uh, at E3, sort of a, hey, look, we're building this awesome world. It's going to be super interactive, have a lot of like different uh, environmental phenomenon happening that you have to traverse and they basically it's a lot less actual footage and more interviews with people saying we're doing this awesome thing so even then even back then with their name attached of course bioware that immediately will get people psyched <laughs> they put this out even before they have it seems like, according to these sources, any solid vision of what they want the game to be. It's more like playing with elements. To me, it sounded like playing with different elements that could be really cool to implement, but they weren't solid on, is this gonna be something we can even do? Does our engine support it? How is it gonna affect the story? I think at the time before they were dubbing it Beyond, and then they realized later, right before the EA or the E3 revealed that they can't get the copyrights to the name, which is why would you even be set on this name if you can't get the copyright? Anyway, because so people don't think about the litigation involved <laughs> when they're making art, especially if it's commercial art. Yeah. Side note: Now I'm done. <laughs> So they go to their plan B, Anthem, which apparently they didn't even have a solid reason for it being called Anthem. So they like backtrack later and be like, well, no, it's because it's the, the force in the world is the Anthem of whatever nonsense. I don't even know at this point, but it's, it's just like, dude, if your name of the game isn't even like solidly set in the foundation of your story of your world, it's plan B, come on. Like you can have a plan B, but have it actually be meaningful. Don't print t-shirts on something that isn't set yeah. in stone. Like, come on, come Beyond on. what? Um, you could take a perfect example with Horizon Zero Dawn and everyone's like, well, that is a mouthful of a name when it was first released. But after you play the game, every single word in that title has very significant meaning deeply tied to the story both literally and metaphorically so take note game developers 
<laughs> so yeah, so you have a basically pre-production lasting for years. And once Andromeda gets done and teams, actually solid teams start getting assigned to this game, they're not necessarily ready to start building. See, <laughs> this is why Nintendo just <laughs> drops stuff in our lap. Yeah. yeah. Or I appreciate it more after this. Just mm. side note, it'll come back later. Mm -hmm. But, you know, hey, it's not ready to start being built, but guess what? Higher-ups expect to start seeing things. So we start got to start building. But like I alluded to before, story and the world and just basic gameplay really determines <laughs> the game you're building. Like, if you're going to have this character fly, you need the map to be built in a way that can easily load a lot at once that, you know... <sighs> I don't even know how to begin to describe it. It's like the core building blocks of a game are affected. And so if you start building this tower and then you decide, hey, I want to change that base foundation because, you know, we didn't we didn't solidify that before you started building this tower, it's going to come crumbling down or you're going to have a really makeshift, unsturdy replacement. It's going to make the whole thing wobbly. So it's very important and I feel the same way in video production. You better have that script locked down and you better have those style frames or the look, the vision of your end content better be locked down before you start going into hardcore production mode or else it's just, it's gonna take longer to make those changes down the road than it ever would up front. Yeah, but Jesse, I'm detached from the actual process and I don't understand how anything works. I just wanna change my mind. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, part of that, that pre-productionness, that, that's part of leadership, you know, decisions just have to be made and, you know, if you have to get other people in to help, if you need to do that, there has to be decision making. So to your point on this, yeah, it's really interesting when you actually play the game because specifically with the not being totally set on, are we going to fly or not? Mm -hmm. It actually comes through a little bit in the game. And now that you're saying it, it's becoming more evident to me. The combat mm -hmm. is very non-vertical. Mm -hmm. The traversal is very vertical. Yeah. But I could see how the world and the combat originally, you could do all of it without flying. Yeah. And it doesn't really take advantage of the flying a ton. Yeah. So I wonder if that is there's that tension in there actually came out in the end product. There's an interesting story in the article about how they were waffling forever about whether to make these things fly or not. And the original demo they showed when they're higher ups, he was not impressed. It wasn't what he expected. Please go read the article because it'll do a much better job than we are than discussing, than talking about the story. But he's basically like, do it better. <laughs> and they just decided to make, I think he said something along the lines of like, make it fly or whatever. And they did, they reworked it. And they just decided, hey, that was sort of the decision point of just make these things fly. And once you had that, that hard stop decision behind it, uh, and he came back and played the revamped version with more with them fully behind it, he enjoyed it a lot more. That's sort of what he was expecting. So maybe they just needed that earlier on in the process. They needed that that yes or no man. Yeah, I, you can't really say more without knowing, without being in those decision-making rooms, but that's just what I would hope for in pre-production, establishing that strong vi vision from the top. So that's kind of the, the first pillar of, oh no, that's gonna make the game really hard to be pulled off successfully. Second one mm -hmm. is actual production. Yeah which there was a lot of griping about yeah. Frostbite Engine. So this is where we have more of the big publisher coming in and making things just overly difficult. EA, already a company that has a lot of uh, ill will <laughs> towards it. <laughs> We're not saying it's all EA's fault, but big publishers, this is not exclusive to EA, just they're a very prime example. They, they're like, oh great, this, this developer makes awesome games. We want to make more, we want to profit from those awesome games. So let's give them, let's gobble them up and put some real money in there, right? Towards making even bigger and better games. But with that expectation of high investment cost up front, they expect it to be a solid money maker. There's no room, there's no ifs, maybes if they 
don't see it's going well, a lot of times they'll just pull the plug early on. Um, I'm honestly surprised this with this much waffling, waffling in pre-production that it, it maybe it's just the pedigree of Bioware got it through, but I'm surprised the, the plug wasn't pulled. And they expect very tight deadlines. They want to get this thing out there as soon as they can. Now, granted, they projected what they started development in the early two, 2010s and they projected for a 2018 release. Um, who knows what their internal timelines, if it was sooner than that, but ended up getting released 2019. Yeah, those those really tight deadlines do, there's no, there's no wiggle room for experimenting, playing around. You sort of gotta get it out there and maybe this one element could be that much better, but it doesn't matter, you gotta get it out there. It's gotta get released, gotta start making money. With them pointing towards, hey, let's make this an online game, I'm sure many of you know that now all these online games are constantly getting updated and patched and there's always new things you could buy. It's got to be not a you buy it one time and then sell it back to GameStop, right? It's something that you play for the next several years. That is the goal anyway. <laughs> Player engagement. So this is sort of like the alternate. We've talked a lot about DLC uh, on this as like an alternative post-game way to make money this is another this is actually where a lot of games are leaning which i'm not a fan of but uh let's just keep patching and adding to the game and people can buy new loot new costumes they'll have that constant subscription online to be online and play it yeah so wait hold on can we pause real quick yeah i want to dig a little bit deeper into that sure zooming out there's a frightening issue long term with running marketing campaigns off the backs of successful IPs and running off the backs of the reputation of successful studios, Bethesda, mm -hmm. Bioware, mm -hmm. others. <laughs> you can do it one time, but I don't know that you can ever do it again. And there's a cost in the erosion of the trust of the people who believe in the thing that you're kind of abusing mm -hmm. um, and I don't know that it's malicious I'm not saying that it is it's probably on in some people's minds the intent is legit but it does seem to be that in terms of a business opportunity it's very low risk because it's been successful in the past already pouring a crap ton of marketing into it not really giving it the time that it needs in terms of development and then releasing it half-baked and promising that it will get better over time because it is live service. I don't, this is not sustainable. Like I'm already like mm -hmm. now, if I hear about anything that is being branded as live service or yeah. even now it's to the point of where I'm like, oh, that's an online multiplayer experience. Uh, I'll, t I'll take my single player game that gets released as a, you know, full retail, but that's finished. But like, we started, we talked about this with in the Spider-Man episode when I was talking about the DLC. Like you even have the sense there that they plan this whole game and then they're like, these three missions could be separate DLC. And they sort of just take them out. And so even with the full games now, just the one-time purchase, it's like, you're not even getting the full game. You're getting like three-fourths of a game. And then these live service games, it's just like, no, you're getting a quarter of a game. We're going to give you the other quarters. We're going to patch them in later because we didn't have enough time. <laughs> I don't, we wanted to get it out. But what are the chances of having a user base that sticks around through a crappy game until it gets better? Like, the more options you have, the less likely they're going to stick with you. And when you already have Destiny, I think when it got released, it didn't really have direct competitors in this very specific space. So... It had time to, it, its players stayed with it while it had time to get better. But why someone hopping on Anthem already to like a half a game, why would they stay there till it gets better? Why not just go over back to Destiny or whatever? Yeah. Well, that's interesting you bring that up too, because I wonder if in a backwards way they, and by they, I mean Bungie kind of set a precedent for this. Mm -hmm. If you're Accidentally. the first one, yeah. If you're the first one there with your specific type of genre, you have some you have some time to make it better. But I don't think others have that luxury. You're seeing the same with battle royale. You know, until someone comes and releases a better version of what you did, 
like let's say Fortnite wasn't half as good as um, Player Battleground, right? That's the name. Yeah, PUBG. Yeah, it pe- people would have stayed with PUBG, but only because they released a product that was better. Did people migrate over to Fortnite? Yeah. And so you see these other half baked people are trying to get on the battle royale train, and if they don't do it as well as Fortnite, then people stick with Fortnite. Yeah. Well, yeah, proof's in the pudding. It's just happened with that big wave with Apex Legends. Mm-hmm. It's like they released a quality game from the start mm-hmm. and a lot of people migrated. And like, you know, there are other factors that kind of are heavily determining people's decision for specific things because it's always case by case. Like, you know, yes, Apex is free to play. It's highly streamable. Mm-hmm. So for Twitch players, it's like... You know, that's yeah. good for the views. Are all they bringing of something new to the table, essentially? I don't like this trend of releasing, you know, not full gains just to hit a deadline. Yeah. doesn't make sense to me. Think of the money you can make. It's like, just wait a little bit longer, invest in that time a little bit more. I think your returns could be much greater than like the short amount of lifespan it has if you release it earlier. Yeah. Maybe it's a converging of a couple things. So maybe it is like the original Destiny saw a timeline with that. It's like, okay, well... That's worked in the past. And then there's also this, I'm going to crap where I eat on indie developers because there's the whole thing with the early access program and the green lighting on Steam. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have bought into it a couple times and it's paid off, but has bad reputation for a reason. I feel like that's not a good long-term strategy for the health of video games and now it's like bubbled up it's trickled up to the top and it's almost like these AAA developers and publishers are kind of using that model which is i don't know i mean it's more understandable where it comes from where i'm an indie developer i don't have any money i have this really cool concept and i can only take it so far because i will run out of money So I'm going to give you like my proof of concept and it's going to be playable and you can help me get it to the finish line. I think that is the best case scenario for the early access. Can you imagine that in another industry? Like imagine with books, writing. Here's a rough (laughs) I wrote half of it. (laughs) Or yeah, I wrote half of it. Yeah. Can you guys help me fund me? You can read it and put in your own notes, which I will incorporate to fund me to write the rest. That's just so... It's like, hey, I started uh, tracking this album. It's like, I still, it's like a scratch track, and yeah. you can help me fund like the final version. It's like, what? Yeah. No. No. Oh, <laughs> uh, is I it under- because video games are so resource ex- like expensive to make in terms of like across the whole? Does I that would, make it okay? I would say I would initially think that, but then you look at the movie industry and the television industry. They don't have to do that. There's is just as much funds being poured into that space. It's just as ex- expensive. You know, it's kind of funny. Hmm. It's like, and I wonder if things may shift into this direction in the future mm-hmm. where at least with television, yeah, it doesn't really work this way as much now with the, you know, binge watch multi-episodic stuff, but you do a pilot as proof of concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. You just, you can't do... I don't, it's not the same. It doesn't translate. I no, don't know. Because even like a pilot to me is a it's a tough way to sell an entire series, especially if you're doing something that's like a serial that doesn't re- resolve itself in one episode. Yeah, it's more trust is being placed. And obviously you can't you can't design an entire game in its entirety and then sell, you know, 20 minutes of it. Yeah, you can't. It doesn't work that way. You can't like develop a game's first mission like you're you're already put in so much groundwork to get that first mission you can't just like isolate the work to that it's like you have to do so much more you have to build the structure of everything so by the time you put that much time and money and energy into it it's like well you're already have a large portion of the game made yeah and it's not to excuse like what we're getting Mm -hmm. but it's almost like trying to be empathetic about the actual reality of making a game it is unique in that way Mm -hmm. so i don't know i don't know that that makes it permissible but it makes it understandable maybe from a certain perspective Mm -hmm. so anyways i have fully derailed you from 
I mean, all of this ties into just how large publishers like EA expect games now to to do. Like, they expect these tight deadlines. They don't even expect quality at the end. They just want something they can will get enough players to play and put money into. Yeah, just unreasonable mandates, I think. Instead of a lasting awesome game experience which is what i think most developers want and what obviously consumers want <laughs> so another just twist they that ea threw into this development hell something that i don't think a lot of other game companies have to deal with and this was definitely a massive uh hindrance in my opinion but dice created this their own game engine under ea called frostbite you might have heard of the Unreal Engine. What's the other big one? Unity. Unity, mm-hmm. right. So while those are like the tried and true game engines, they're solid, they've been refined over years, they have great support systems, and most people learn on those. EA would have to license the right to use that, so more money, right? They're like, wait, we have this engine we developed in-house. Use that uh, the quote get, that gets thrown around a lot with this engine from people that have worked with it is that it's full of razor blades. <laughs> so, razor blades? Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. Oh. Why is it named Frostbite? Oh, God. Unreal Unity Frostbite. <laughs> Your fingers are going to fall off from working cool, on this. Cool, cool. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and, you know, it's great that DICE developed this engine that it works very specifically for their uses, but... Just because it works for your battlefield doesn't mean it's going to work for this very, this this wildly other, larger, different genre of game. Because it was developed internally, I believe it doesn't really have that much support or there's not much working knowledge of your average game developer. So it's sort of you're learning as you're working on it. If you have problems trying to resolve them, it's probably going to eat up a lot of your time. When I was reading about it, anyone who's familiar with adobe they sort of make uh, the standard art production software premiere is the main editing one maybe you've heard of final cut that's not adobe but it's another gold standard editing software in my mind i was like oh it's like being given iMovie or windows movie maker instead of being allowed to use the wonderful adobe premiere or final cut (laughs) it's almost even worse than that it's almost like (laughs) They made their own version of iMovie yeah. that is very quirky and odd and doesn't really operate like any of the other. It doesn't have any custom built presets already made in that would cut your t- work time in half. And so you have to build a lot of stuff from the ground up. I have to do everything manually. Why? Yeah. So I can, can't even imagine just this mandate to save some licensee fees from what it sounds like to me. They probably ended up wasting a lot more money and time just dealing with the hurdles that is frostbite than just investing the money up front and using something tried and true. So it's like you're given unreasonable timelines from up top and you're given a horrible tool set that you're required to use that no one knows how to operate. It's just, it's not a good, it's not a good mixture. So it's it's like maybe you can jump those hurdles given like the six or seven years they had to do this, if nothing goes wrong, (laughs) uh, if leadership is solid and they have a strong vision and everyone is on board, maybe we would have gotten a better product. But with all of these problems, we've been listening with development and then the problems EA provides, it's just, it's like a disaster waiting to happen. They also reference in this article a lot Bioware magic. Don't worry about it because in the last year it all will come together. Don't worry about it. I know it looks grim, but it's going to all come together because Bioware magic. And I think it's generally bad form to re- <laughs> to rely completely on this mystical magic. It's all going to happen at the end. It's fine. Well, that that coming together and that magically happening at the end is not it's not magical. It's crunch time. It's people losing so much of their lives, their sleep, their mental health. There's lots of stories about people taking stress leave, mental stress, mental health leaves for months and sometimes not even coming back. Because their doctor told them because they had to. Because their doctor to. told them they had to. No snowflakes here, guys. 
And I mean, crunch mode is a horrible thing we've heard about um, in many other scenarios. It's it's a common video game thing. Should not be a common video game development thing. But imagine instead of like just trying to get the rest of the game out polished all in the last year, right? Crunch mode for a year. Imagine trying to make most of the game in that crunch mode of a year. That's the difference for me. I mean, crunch mode shouldn't be a thing at all, but instead of just making it better and polishing it in that last year, it's it's building the majority of a game because pre-production took longer than actual production of the game. And to go along with your video production mm-hmm. theme, I'll just fix it in post. Yeah. Well, guess what? There's no more time for post. Post takes time, takes more time than your pre-production. If you're making a video and you have four weeks to do it, maybe three of those weeks shouldn't be on the script. Maybe one week should be on the script and three should actually be on making on making the video. So that's essentially what happened here according to these sources. Or even worse, it was three weeks of writing the script and during weeks two through three, it's sort of like, we'll just start building something when the script isn't locked down. And then being told in the middle of week two, in the middle of week three, oh, actually we changed something in the script. So, because we're still working on it, go back and reanimate or reshoot or re-edit whatever you've been working on. So think of all the wasted time and money and energy. It's just, it's sad. And that's not how uh, the production line should work. Yeah, so. that sucks. Yeah. I, I hate that for those people who had to put up with that. Yeah. Also, there's a little bit in there. We mentioned there's three locations uh, and that the Austin one has a bit more experience with the online situation, game making situation. And then the Canadian one has a bit more experience with the story and the the RPG track. So once both locations are brought on board this game, there's some stories about, you know, what's the A team? What's the B team? Advice from the people who are experienced with online not being taken and like, hey, maybe you should take the advice of people who are ex- who've gone through the hurdles and had the same problems and have resolved them through just time and experience. And you know that, and when that experience is not listened to, um, it's frustrating for the people working on it. A lot of the problems that we listed earlier with this game are like the loading screen times. That's something that multiple anonymous sources talked about bringing up early on, or as being problems, but dismissed. I know as someone on the lower rung of production, when you're giving advice, it can be frustrating when it's not taken and then later down the road, that advice, you know, would have come real handy. <laughs> so being like, ha I told you so, but it sucks because it's still on me to fix. Um, <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> not being listened to, offices are being pit against each other, just generally something that was supposed to be the Dylan of the genre. Something that everyone was looking forward to was really interesting, just turns into something that leaves a bad taste in your mouth, I would assume, which is unfortunate. Yeah. It's actually very surprising that Anthem turned out as well as it did. Yeah. I guess a little bit of that magic did happen, but probably through the years taken off of some of those developers' lives, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, And the... I mean, we don't know for sure, but it sounds like that coming together in the last year, a lot of it had to do with some restructuring of leadership roles and some a lot of people left early on pre-production. There was a lot of change up. And I think having some solid leads to steer the ship at the end helped a lot. It just It's sad because can't you imagine what this game would have been if that happened earlier? Yeah, missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. Oh, one last thing before I forget. There is a line in here about being told by the higher-ups not to talk about Destiny or not to compare this game to Destiny, which I thought was so strange because if you're making something that's in direct competition to Destiny, I feel like you should either learn from what it's doing right and maybe try to implement similar practices. And (laughs) what did I... I wrote... I wrote... uh, Oh yeah, shouldn't you use entering the field late as an advantage to steer clear of the corpses of those that already stepped on landmines? I, it's like, if you see the dead bodies up there because they stepped on the landmine, don't go, like, learn from that. Don't step on that same landmine. So. What would be the line of reasoning for, like, let's not talk about Destiny while we're developing this game, even though we're obviously trying to do a Destiny clone? 
I think the thing was they didn't want to be a Destiny clone, but it's like you can't. The only way to not be a, de- a clone of something else is to see it and make sure you avoid it. Like I don't. Yeah, I but don't there it had to be a conscious choice to directly compete with Destiny. The game is way too similar to Destiny mm-hmm. to not be intentionally pitted against it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like the original concepts and vi- like pseudo vision for this when I hear it talked about early on and seen those early demos and stuff, they had a lot of stuff that was different from Destiny that sounded awesome that they ended up having to scrap because of deadlines and the vision changing throughout. Um, Frostbite Engine not being able to do what they wanted to do originally. It's, I think it would have been a competitor in the same genre easily, but it would have felt different. And their weird attempt to stay clear of being... A clone of destiny they they did so <laughs> the reason we wanted to bring this up and we thought this article was a great thing and it should this should be talked about generally because we see the direction that game development is heading has been heading in developers and artists are being abused to hit these um, money-making goals and tight deadlines and yeah, i don't know i just see it as the craft being whittled away and I see so much lost potential and I just wish there was a little bit more faith and time given to some of these projects. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to talk about it so we can we can avoid it in the future. Yeah, we were having the same conversation about Telltale not long ago, mm-hmm. but Metroid Prime 4 was going off the rails Yeah, and they didn't handle it the same way. They're like, they pulled the plug, you're like, nope. They were very start over, about it too. and they told everyone. They said, "Hey, it's going to take longer because we're going to switch teams." Yeah, yeah. Which is like, if that had happened in the first what five years of Anthem's development, which it could have at any point conceivably, because it was very obvious that there were some very serious, big picture issues and things not going well. Maybe this story could have played out completely differently. I'm not saying that that was the only possible solution, but is a solution instead of what we kind of ended up getting from just trudging through. I find it so interesting that like Japanese game companies really don't care at the end of the day about meeting deadlines. Even if they say it in E3, this is going to come out in this year, they fly by it and honestly it doesn't. (laughs) Just think about Kingdom Hearts over a decade. Think about Final Fantasy 15. These years, years upon years, and it's okay because they know their base is going to come play it when it does come out. Maybe, I don't know. It seems like a recognition of the reality of the craft that they're in. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I do think it's that. And I think they recognize that the money they could bring in from a truly exceptional game is worth it. Um, And guess what? It always is. mm -hmm. It has value outside of the direct money that you make immediately too. And I've said this a million times and I'll say it one more time. It has a long-term relational investment mm-hmm. that you're making with your player base. It's a trust thing. I don't know. That's really crucial. I don't understand how, cause, you know, th- these are hierarchies. It's like someone at some level has the on off button. Yeah. And they're, you're choosing wrong. Yeah. Don't choose that. Yeah. That's like, this is why EA has, and it's almost like, I went into this conversation. I'm like, I don't want to crap on EA anymore because it's almost like annoying to do it because they're so egregiously just awful. Yeah. And I, I just almost don't even want to waste my breath, but like we have to because they keep doing it, you know, and it, I don't know, like don't lay off the majority of staff at one of your studios because you want to pivot your business in a certain direction, even though, I don't know. It's just it, like- We've learned, like you brought up that example specifically, uh, I just know Gorilla Games because I researched a lot into Horizon Zero Dawn's development. They didn't, they weren't primarily, their team wasn't focused on the type of game, action adventure, you know, world traversing game that is Horizon Zero Dawn. They were shooters before, but the same team just learned and adapted and did something different with proper support. Uh, yeah, I think that's just a, a reason for <laughs> laying off people. But anyway, sorry, continue. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is like, there's a consequence to all this stuff and it'll play out and we'll do the, I told you so, but it'll be too late. And then whatever, 
I mean, if you want to dig your own grave, I guess it seems like you're really itching to do it. So we're just going to watch you do it in slow motion. And it's going to suck for developers. It's going to burn out developers. And the consumers are going to hate you. See, but that's the part of it. Like, if you want to bury yourself, that's cool. But don't throw a bunch of developers in there with you. Yeah. That's not okay. And that's what's happening. Yeah. That's why we got to talk about it. So. I don't know what the solution is, but... Well, I think a really good step, which will probably be another episode because it's worth talking about, is game. the game industry needs to unionize people. Do it already. Do oh, it already. my gosh. Punch mode should not be a thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I made a little note here at the end because I didn't play Anthem. But, uh, you know, I followed, I followed the little releases at E3 and uh, I was reading this article and just doing my research on Anthem, and I was like, oh, you know what? This sounds sort of familiar. You know what other game I played that I loved a lot that had a lot of these elements? Had a giant alien world, plenty of monsters and hidden locales, quests you could do, aliens Whoa, that sounds so cool. What is it? Giant customizable mechs. Yeah, I don't want a little javelin. I want a giant robot what? that can fly around the world. Yeah, there's a little bit of load times, but... It was worth it. Giant mechs I could fly. An awesome story to boot that tied this entire world together. That made you want to go back to the hub world and then explore the world. <sighs> Xenoblade Chronicles X people. Just of course. You're not Xenoblade. gonna get the you're not gonna get the multiplayer. It's Nintendo. Actually, I think for Vols, they were like, let's see if we could do multiplayer tacked in on, on the end. And they, they do have a very specific mode. You could go like do specific missions with with friends, oh. um, but I mean it's Nintendo's version. So, but uh, hey, you know, maybe you should follow Nintendo's example, guys. Just saying, yeah. not on everything. Don't do the online like that. But <laughs> don't do online like. That. Yeah. <laughs> That's my little angry rant. I like it. So basically, we need more Xenoblade. We need more please Nintendo. Give us X two, please. I really want it. Okay. Well, this was an interesting case study. We can throw it on the pile. You know what? <laughs> I, I, my hope for Anthem is not totally given up. Mm -hmm. um, I know we just were basically saying the live service model is not the best. But I could definitely see, even from experience with the demo, how this could eventually, in several years, be kind of readjusted and manipulated into a much better gaming experience. It's not like it's so far off the mark that it's like so awful. It's like a little tweak here, a little tweak there, and then all of a sudden it's like significantly better. Yeah. So I don't know. You see you revisiting a couple of years and it being a lot more engaging. But it's like I always have the struggle of like, do we keep trying to polish this turd? It's not necessarily a turd, just making this better. Mm -hmm. Or do we just dedicate the time and energy and money to trying again, doing something better from the start? I, I lean towards the latter. Yeah, I think I do too. Let's start over. You already got Destiny, guys. They got there. Yeah. <laughs> Anthem 2. Three years later. Coming soon. <laughs> okay, well... This was one of our longer ones, but we were obviously passionate about it, and we'd love to hear if you have any thoughts. And we didn't really talk about Bioware's response, but long story short, I believe they got like a bulleted outline version before this article got released, and they had a response to the bulleted outline version the same day that this article got released. And they're like, we need to stop tearing each other down and blaming individuals, blah, 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 because it's hurting the industry as a whole. I'm like, that is a BS corporate response because that's just showing you're trying to cover up any problems instead of embracing the critique and the cries for help from your developers and steamrolling over it all and just saying, oh, we're fine, we're fine, we're good, good. Quote, depression and anxiety are an epidemic within Bioware, end quote. I think that's what's being steamrolled. Replace Bioware with the game industry. Let's I don't want Bioware to turn into a telltale situation. Yeah, me neither. So I hope their next dragon 
age for, I hope they're not experiencing similar problems in their development and I have a return to form. Yeah. Hopefully that's a formula that's just getting refined because mm -hmm. it's been set up for a while. I think that seems to be the big thing with Anthem is that it was an ambitious original idea and the dividends didn't pay out, but yes, fingers crossed for Dragon Age. And they were smart and they didn't go too detailed with their little teaser. I think it was just like a cool drawing on a wall or stone carving or something, if what I'm remembering is correct. Uh, so they their vision could be anything. <laughs> we look forward to seeing it. Cool. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. See you next time.